Greetings, and welcome to the AMD Fourth Quarter 2020 Financial Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. If anyone should require operator assistance, please press star zero on your telephone keypad. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded. It's now my pleasure to turn the call over to your host, Ruth Cotter, Senior Vice President, Worldwide Marketing, Human Resources, and Investor Relations. Ruth, please go ahead. Thank you, and welcome to AMD's fourth quarter and full year 2020 Financial Results Conference Call. By now, you should have had the opportunity to review a copy of our earnings press release and accompanying slideware. If you have not reviewed these documents yet, they can be found on the Investor Relations page of AMD.com. Participants on today's conference call are Dr. Lisa Su, our President and Chief Executive Officer, and Devinder Kumar, our Executive Vice President, Chief Financial Officer, and Treasurer. This is a live call and will be replayed via webcast on our website. Before we begin, I would like to note that on the 2nd of March, Mark Papermaster, Chief Technology Officer and Executive Vice President, Technology and Engineering, will attend the Morgan Stanley TMT conference. In addition, our first quarter 2021 quiet time is expected to begin at the close of business on Friday, March 12th. Today's discussion contains forward-looking statements based on current beliefs, assumptions, and expectations, speak only as of today, and as such, involve risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from our current expectations. Please refer to the cautionary statement in our press release for more information on factors that could cause actual results to differ materially. We will refer primarily to non-GAAP financial measures during this call, the full non-GAAP to GAAP reconciliations are available in today's press release and slideware posted on amd.com. Now with that, I'd like to hand the call over to Lisa. Lisa? Thank you, Ruth, and good afternoon to all those listening in today. 2020 marked an inflection point in our long-term journey as we made significant progress establishing AMD as the high-performance computing leader. We significantly accelerated our business and exceeded our aggressive growth goals for the year while navigating industry-wide challenges caused by COVID-19. We built substantial momentum throughout the year as we successfully ramped volume production of more than 20 7 nanometer PC, gaming, and data center products. Annual revenue grew 45%, setting a new record at $9.76 billion. We also expanded gross margin for the fifth straight year and more than doubled net income from the prior year. While the PC market grew approximately 13% in 2020 to surpass more than 300 million units for the first time since 2014, our annual client processor revenue grew by more than 50% as AMD Ryzen processor adoption increased. We delivered record client annual processor revenue as we gained significant share in 2020. Adoption of Epic processors across cloud, enterprise, and HPC customers also accelerated significantly in 2020. We set a new all-time record for annual server processor revenue. Server processor sales more than doubled year over year, and our overall data center sales are now a high teens percentage of our total annual revenue. Looking at the fourth quarter, we ended the year very strong. 
Revenue grew 53% year-over-year to a record $3.24 billion, while net income increased 66%. Turning to our computing and graphics segment, fourth quarter revenue increased 18% year-over-year to $1.96 billion. Desktop CPU revenue grew by a strong double-digit percentage year-over-year and sequentially driven by strong demand for our Ryzen processor family in both OEM systems and the channel. Sell-through of our new Ryzen 5000 processors featuring our Zen 3 core was particularly strong, more than doubling the launch quarter sales of any prior generation Ryzen desktop processor. In mobile, CPU shipments increased by a double-digit percentage both sequentially and year-over-year. We set records for both quarterly and annual mobile processor unit shipments as Ryzen 4000 notebook shipments continued to ramp in support of the 100 notebook design wins launched in 2020. At CES earlier this month, we launched our Ryzen 5000 mobile processors for ultra-thin gaming and commercial notebooks. These new mobile processors featuring our Zen 3 processor core extend our performance and battery life leadership, delivering up to 23% higher performance compared to our previous generation and 17 and a half hours of battery life. We are on track to increase the number of notebook designs powered by our new Ryzen 5000 processors by 50% compared to our prior generation, positioning us well for further growth in 2021. In graphics, revenue declined year-over-year year and increased sequentially. Desktop GPU sales increased significantly from the prior quarter, driven by the ramp of our new Radeon 6000 series GPUs, featuring our RDNA 2 architecture that deliver up to twice the performance and 65% more performance per watt than our prior generation. We're seeing very strong demand for our new GPUs. The Radeon 6000 series are our fastest selling high-end GPUs ever, with launch quarter shipments three times larger than any prior AMD gaming GPU priced above $549. We continue to ramp production to meet the strong demand and are on track to expand our Radeon 6000 GPU portfolio in the first half of the year with the new RDNA 2 based desktop and mobile GPUs. Data center GPU revenue decreased year over year, but increased sequentially, including initial shipments of our AMD Instinct MI100 accelerator. MI100 features our new CDNA data center GPU architecture and is the industry's fastest HPC accelerator for scientific research and the first data center GPU to break the 10 teraflops barrier. We are making strong progress on our data center GPU hardware roadmap and expanding our software ecosystem in preparation for the launch of the first exascale supercomputer in the United States, the all AMD powered Frontier system planned to go online later this year at Oak Ridge National Laboratory. Now turning to our enterprise embedded and semi-custom segment, Revenue of $1.28 billion increased 176% year-over-year, driven by strong growth in both semi-custom and server processor sales. Semi-custom sales increased year-over-year and sequentially, based on strong demand for the next-generation Sony and Microsoft consoles. Our semi-custom SOC sales are ramping faster than the last console cycle, and we expect sales to be better than typical seasonality in the first half of this year, 
based on the current strong demand. Now turning to server, we had record revenue in the fourth quarter as both cloud and enterprise sales grew sequentially. Cloud adoption remains strong as Google, Microsoft, Tencent, and others continue expanding their use of Epic processors to power larger portions of their critical internal infrastructure, and the number of AMD-powered cloud instances expands. 28 new public cloud instances launched in the fourth quarter from Alibaba, AWS, and Oracle, while Google expanded general availability of their confidential computing VMs powered exclusively by Epic processors to nine regions. For the year, the number of AMD-powered instances available from the largest cloud providers doubled to more than 200. In the enterprise, adoption of AMD-powered servers grew as Dell, HPE, and Lenovo secured new end-customer wins with Fortune 1000 accounts across key verticals, including manufacturing, financial services, and automotive. In HPC, the number of AMD-powered supercomputers on the November Top 500 list increased to 21 systems, including two of the top 10 and the fastest supercomputer in Europe. We expect our data center business to accelerate in 2021 as we further extend our performance, efficiency, and TCO leadership with the launch of our next-gen server processors, codenamed Milan. Milan production began in the fourth quarter as planned, with initial shipments to cloud and HPC customers. We are very pleased with the performance of Milan. We conducted the first public preview of Milan at CES, highlighting 68% better performance compared to two of the highest-end dual-socket processors from our competition when running a compute-intensive weather modeling simulation. We're on track to publicly launch our third-gen Epic Milan processors in March with very strong ecosystem support. In summary, our strong 2020 results and 2021 guidance demonstrate the growing momentum for our leadership product portfolio and the robust demand for high-performance computing. In the last year, we have all seen firsthand the essential role high-performance computing now plays in our daily lives and we expect adoption to accelerate over the coming years as we enter a high-performance computing megacycle driven by the growing adoption of cloud computing services, accelerating digital transformation of industries and experiences, the transition to exascale supercomputing, and the mainstream adoption of AI. Against this backdrop, we are very confident we have the right long-term strategy and capabilities to deliver a strong cadence of leadership products and make AMD the premier technology growth franchise. Longer term, our strategic acquisition of Xilinx further strengthens our technology capabilities and positions us well for growth across a broader set of markets. We passed several important regulatory milestones to date and remain on track to close the transaction by the end of 2021. I am very proud of what AMD has accomplished over the last few years, as our talented and dedicated employees established a new pace for innovation in the high-performance computing industry. I'm even more excited about what we can accomplish over the coming years based on our roadmaps and the strong opportunities we see to play an even larger strategic role with our customers and partners. Now I'd like to turn the call over to Devinder to provide some additional color on our fourth quarter and full-year financial performance. Devinder? Thank you, Lisa. 
and good afternoon everyone. 2020 was an outstanding year for AMD. Our industry-leading product portfolio and market share gains drove record annual and quarterly revenue with full-year revenue growth of 45%. We also achieved record annual net income and free cash flow. We are pleased with our strong performance and the leverage in our financial model. Fourth quarter revenue was $3.24 billion, up 53% from a year ago and up 16% from the prior quarter, driven by strong sales of Ryzen and Epic Process and semi-custom game console SOCs. Gross margin was 45%, approximately flat year over year. Operating expenses were $789 million, up 45% year over year, driven by increased investments in R&D, go-to-market activities, and higher variable employee compensation-related expenses. Operating income was $663 million, up $258 million, or 64% from a year ago, driven by significant revenue growth. And operating margin was 20% compared to 19% a year ago. Net income was $636 million, up $253 million, or 66% from a year ago, and diluted earnings per share was $0.52 cents compared to $0.32 cents per share a year ago. Now, turning to the business segment results. Fourth quarter computing and graphics segment revenue was $1.96 billion, up 18% year-over-year, primarily driven by significant Ryzen processor growth. Computing and graphics segment operating income was $420 million, or 21% of revenue, compared to $360 million a year ago, driven by higher revenue. Enterprise embedded and semi-custom segment revenue was $1.28 billion, up 176% year-over-year, driven by strong semi-custom product sales and continued epic server processor momentum across the cloud and enterprise markets. Epic processor revenue grew sequentially, including early shipments of third-generation Epic Milan processors. EESC segment operating income was $243 million, or 19% of revenue, compared to an operating income of $45 million a year ago, driven by higher revenue. Turning to the balance sheet, we had record-free cash flow of $480 million in the fourth quarter. Inventory was $1.4 billion, up 8% from the prior quarter in preparation of 2021 sales. Fourth quarter adjusted EBITDA was $753 million compared to $469 million a year ago, driven by higher quarterly earnings. Before I turn to the full-year financial results, let me address a gap tax item. Based on our financial results and strong outlook, we released a significant portion of our tax valuation allowance, totaling $1.3 billion, which had a gap EPS benefit of $1.06 in the fourth quarter and a benefit of $1.07 for the full year. Now let me turn to our full-year financial results. 
2020 revenue was 9.76 billion, up 45% year on year, driven by strong growth in both business segments. Gross margin of 45% was up 190 basis points from the prior year, driven by Ryzen and Epic products, partially offset by semi-custom and Radeon product sales. Operating expenses were 28% of revenue, improving from 31% in 2019. 2020 operating income was up 97% from a year ago to 1.66 billion, or 17% of revenue. Net income was 1.58 billion, up 108% from the prior year. Turning to the balance sheet, cash, cash equivalents, and marketable securities totaled 2.3 billion at year end, and full year free cash flow was 777 million as compared to 276 million in 2019. We reduced principal debt by 225 million in 2020 and ended the year with 338 million of gross debt. Now turning to the outlook for the first quarter of 2021. We expect revenue to be approximately 3.2 billion plus or minus 100 million, an increase of approximately 79% year over year and down 1% sequentially. The year-over-year increase is expected to be driven by growth in all businesses. The sequential performance is driven primarily by better-than-normal seasonality in our PC and semi-custom businesses and strength in our data center business. In addition, for Q1 2021, we expect non-GAAP gross margin to be approximately 46%, non-GAAP operating expenses to be approximately $830 million, non-GAAP interest expense taxes and other to be approximately $105 million, including an effective tax rate of 15%, and first quarter diluted share count is expected to be approximately 1.23 billion shares. For the full year 2021, We expect revenue growth of approximately 37% driven by growth in all businesses. We expect non-GAAP gross margin to be approximately 47%, non-GAAP operating expenses to be approximately 26% of revenue, non-GAAP effective tax rate to be 15%, and we expect the company's cash tax rate to be approximately 3%. In closing, I'm very pleased with our 2020 results, which demonstrate the strength of AMD's product momentum, customer traction, and market share gains. As we enter 2021 and continue to invest in the business and execute our long-term strategy, we are well positioned to drive gross margin expansion, increase profitability, and deliver strong shareholder returns. With that, I'll turn it back to Ruth for the question and answer session. Ruth? Thank you, Devinder. Um, Operator, please poll the audience for questions. Certainly. We'll now be conducting a question and answer session. If you'd like to be placed in the question queue, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you'd like to remove your question from the queue. 
For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing star 1. One moment, please, while we poll for questions. Our first question today is coming from Blaine Curtis from Barclays. Your line is now live. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my question, and congrats on the very strong results. But maybe first, just on the annual guide, obviously very robust. You fit all segments up, but I was wondering uh, if you could provide any color either by segment or, or by product, which one would be better or worse than that very robust 37%? Sure. So uh, thanks for the question, Blaine. Um, look, we're, uh, you know, excited going into 2021. Obviously, uh, you know, 2020 was, um, you know, quite a strong growth uh, year for us. Um, as we look at the annual um, guidance, you know, we really do see strength across all of our businesses. So, um, you know, the, uh, the, it's led by our larger businesses, so uh, significant growth, um, you know, we expect significant growth in server, uh, you know, growth in PCs, as well as uh, growth in the um, semi-customer console business. Um, but we also see growth in our uh, graphics business across uh, consumer and data center graphics as, you know, we ramp uh, the full product lines uh, there as we go through 2021. So, you know, overall, I think we're seeing the strength of the new product portfolio. Um, as well as a, a positive uh, demand environment. Thanks. And then maybe as just a follow-up, I'm curious about how you think about the shape of the year. Obviously, you know, March seems to be much better than seasonal across several product lines. Kind of just curious how you're thinking about the overall PC market. Um, I think Intel talked about for being first half weighted, and then obviously semi-custom. Uh, you know, you probably did as much in December as you did the first three quarters of 2020. Kind of curious how you just think about first half, second half within that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, you saw that a little bit in our Q1 guidance. Um, I think our, our Q1 guidance is um, you know, better than normal seasonality. We normally see, uh, you know, the first half um, weaker than the second half, just given the consumer bent. Um, what we see this year is a little bit of a different shape. Um, you know, the shape is, you know, from a market standpoint, uh, you know, we see PCs and gaming uh, better than seasonal. You know, there's some pent-up demand. Um, coming into the first half of the year, and, and that's uh, that's baked into the guidance. Um, but we're also seeing a, uh, a strong data center environment. So, um, you know, we see, uh, you know, server up sequentially um, in, um, in Q1, and, you know, that's on the strength of both our current products or our Rome products as well as uh, the Milan ramp. So a little bit different shape than normal, but, um, you know, I think we see, uh, you know, strong demand across um, our uh, PC gaming and uh, data center segments. Thank you. Thanks, Blaine. Thank you. Our next question today is coming from Matt Ramsey from Cowan. Your line is now live. Um, thank you very much. Uh, good afternoon, um, Lisa Devender. Happy New Year. Um, I, I wanted to start with server, and, and I've modeled a much bigger dollar contribution in 2021 to the growth um, than there had been in prior years. And I, I picked up on the in the prepared script, Lisa, that you mentioned accelerating growth for your data center franchise in, in 2021. Uh, I think that's probably off a business that doubled um, last year. So do I have that right that it'll accelerate in percentage terms? And maybe you could break down a little bit. I saw Alibaba in the slides announced um, there's a Milan launch coming that I think could push you into enterprise a little bit more than you've been in the past. Some drivers of that server growth would be really helpful. Thank you. 
Yeah, sure. So, uh, Matt, thanks for the question. Um, you know, we are uh, you know, happy with the progress um, in the data center business. I think, uh, you know, 2020 was um, a strong year for us. Uh, we do see a significant growth um, into 2021. Um, I think there are a number of drivers. Uh, you know, first of all, I think we're seeing, um, you know, the cloud business uh, strengthen uh, for us. So, uh, going into uh, the first half of the year, and as I said, that's both on um, the current generation Rome as well as the next generation Milan. Um, the reception to Milan is very strong, so uh, you know we're we're pleased with performance. Uh, we started shipments in Q4, uh, that's continuing into Q1. Um, you'll see, uh, you know, we we expect to see uh, sort of more customers, sort of new customers um, adopt Milan than uh, uh, perhaps um, that had been on our previous generation. Um, you'll also see a very strong enterprise portfolio. So I think we have a very strong. Uh, time-to-market platforms uh, with uh, the key OEMs, and uh, that's part of our uh, launch uh, plan later this quarter. So, you know, overall, I think um, we are optimistic about uh, the data center in 2021. I think there's a lot of need um, across cloud and enterprise, and, um, you know, we think uh, Milan is uh, very well positioned. Um, thank you for that, Lisa. As my second question, I wanted to ask a little bit about supply. Um, it's, it's no secret that the industry is supply constrained, um, both due to growth and because of some of the challenges with COVID and your company is no different. Maybe you could characterize for us the, the magnitude of supply constraints and how much they might have been hindering what was obviously really strong growth as it was, but num that's number one. And then number two, I, I noticed that a lot of folks had maybe thought that the big CapEx increase from TSMC might have been something to do with Intel and, and I think uh, the incoming CEO there has maybe clarified some of those thoughts, but I wonder as you look forward through this year how your guidance incorporates increasing supply coming online and if you've guided to an assumption of better supply or what you have line of sight to uh, with your partners. Thanks. Yeah, sure. So uh, certainly, um, you know, when I look at the semiconductor environment in 2020, uh, it was very strong. So, you know, we saw a strong revenue ramp um, in our business as well as across uh, some of our peers. Um, it's fair to say that the overall demand um, exceeded our planning. And um, as a result, uh, you know, we did have some supply constraints as we um, ended the year. Um, those were primarily, I would say, in, you know, the PC market, the uh, low end of the PC market and um, in the gaming markets. Um, that being said, I think we're getting, you know, great support from our manufacturing partners. Um, you know, the industry, um, you know, does need to increase uh, the overall capacity levels. And um, so we do see some tightness. Um, through the first half of the year, but there's, you know, added capacity in the second half. And then as um, in terms of, you know, how we, um, how we think about these things, so uh, for, you know, our full year annual guide, you know, we do have good visibility on both the demand side and the supply side. And, um, you know, that was the basis uh, for the guidance uh, across the businesses. Thanks, Lisa. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question today is coming from Vivek Aria from Bank of America. Your line is now live. Uh, thanks for taking my question, and uh, congratulations on, on the strong outlook despite all, all the industry constraints. Um, Lisa, just one um, uh, question to, to go back to a prior one. Uh, I was hoping you could help us dissect Q1 and the 2021 outlook with and without your semi-custom uh, business so we get a sense for uh, the, di the different uh, moving drivers of, of the business, both in Q1 and uh, for the full year. 
Yeah, so uh, let's see. Let, let, me, um, let me start with Q1. So um, as I said in the, uh, uh, earlier that um, we do see the, the PC market and the console uh, business um, a bit better than seasonal. Uh, normally, you know, consoles would be uh, seasonally down, uh, you know, quite a bit, double digits. Uh, you would expect, um, you know, consoles um, this quarter will um, still be, let's call it modestly down. Um, uh, we do see a sequential increase in um, the uh, server business um, as well as in the graphics business as we ramp uh, new products there. Um, and then as we go into the, um, the you know, 2021, um, I, I would say we, we're now at the place where, you know, we have, let's call it three uh, businesses at scale. And so, um, you know, the guidance really encompasses a very significant growth um, across our, um, our data center business and the server space. Um, you know, growth in PCs, uh, just given the visibility that we have around platforms and platform launches um, on both, uh, you know, the notebook side and the strength of our channel portfolio. And then uh, we do see uh, growth um, in the console business as well as, you know, there's a lot of uh, demand uh, for the new console. So I think those are the three uh, big drivers um, for uh, the full year. Um, and I would say it's uh, well balanced um, between the three. Um, and then in addition, we also have growth in our, you know, consumer and data center GPU business um, as a result of some of the new products launched there. So it's a fairly, let's call it broad-based, uh, you know, set of drivers, um, uh, particularly around the product launches. Got it. And for my uh, follow-up, it's, it's interesting that, you know, as you're launching Milan, your, your competitor is also launching um, you know, their uh, data center server. And so both kind of a near term and, and a 21 question. So on the near term, you know, there has been some discussion of uh, cloud digestion. I know you're, you're talking about your business actually growing sequentially, so I was hoping you could address what demand environment uh, uh, you are seeing in the very uh, near term from your cloud and, and enterprise and HPC customers. But looking out to 2021, you know, both you and your competitor will actually be on very, almost the same manufacturing node. Um, so how do you think that will play a role in your uh, decision-making of your customers? You know, because I think a lot of times the discussion kind of becomes one-dimensional on who is at which manufacturing node. So talk to us about even if you are on the same node as your competitor, what's your ability and, and confidence and visibility to take uh, market share in the server CPU business? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Vivek. Um, th that's a that's a very uh, very good question. So, um, in in the near term, um, what we're seeing in the cloud is is actually a period of strong demand, and um, so uh, you know, that's uh, we saw it strengthening as we went through the fourth quarter, and um, you know we see uh, you know demand environment robust um, in the first quarter. So um, you know I think that's uh, th those are uh, good signals for us. I think for the year 2021, um, we're excited about Milan. I mean, it's um, a very strong product. Uh, you know, you've already seen a bit of what Zen 3 can do in just our desktop and notebook uh, portfolio. Um, I think it builds upon uh, what we did in Rome. So, you know, I completely agree with you. I think manufacturing technology is one aspect of what makes a product competitive, but we've been very focused on, um, you know, overall uh, performance, um, you know, overall system performance, how it performs, um, you know, in, uh, you know, the cloud and enterprise environments. Um, I will say that um, I think Milan is uh, the most uh, balanced product that we have, um, you know, both for, let's call it, um, enterprise applications as well as uh, for the broad set of cloud applications. And in terms of visibility, I would say that we have, you know, better visibility 
you know, starting this year than we've had, um, you know, in you know in the, in the past years because th this is our third generation uh, with Epic. So you know, we're now on you know, let's call it deep customer relationships. Uh, you know, many of the decisions, uh, you know, have been made, um, you know, earlier as as they were testing out our product, um, and we have uh, good confidence that um, you know we're going to ramp well. So uh, exciting year for the data center. Um, but certainly, um, you know, we're, uh, we're pleased with how uh, Milan is uh, performing and um, the uh, interest in the marketplace. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question is coming from Stacey Razgon from Bernstein Research. Your line is now live. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, I wanted to start on margins first. Uh, so in the quarter, you had record server revenues. You said high teams. I'd put it to something like 550 or $600 million, which looks pretty good. Um, at the same time, like gross margins sort of barely came in line with guidance. I mean, they actually missed by a few kind of tens of basis points. Um, I guess I'm just a little surprised. Is that all console mix? And was consoles like that much better than expected relative to servers that you wouldn't see gross margin um, upside in the quarter? And I guess the same comments on the guide, a, l a little bit of upside. But at the same time, we've got consoles down. We've got everything else growing. And yet we've only got a little bit of upside in gross margins. So I guess if you could help me square that or, or – or, Square that uh, with 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 what you're seeing. Uh, that'd be helpful, please. Thank you. Yeah, sure, Stacy. Um, be happy to do that. So uh, first on um, the fourth quarter, um, I think uh, we saw you know strength across a couple of different businesses relative to um, you know what we had um, what we had guided. So um, we saw strength, um, you know, a little bit of strength in the console business, some strength in servers, as well as some strength in PCs. And PCs in the fourth quarter tend to be um, a bit more weighted to the consumer side of the business. So those were some of the puts and takes. But, you know, from an overall, um, you know, sort of margin exp expectation standpoint, I think we were right, you know, where we expected to be. And then going into, um, you know, 2021, um, if you're talking about the first quarter guide, um, I think my, my commentary was that, um, uh, you know, we see um, – you know, PCs and consoles a bit better than seasonal. So, you know, consoles would normally be, let's call it, you know, down double digits, and that's not the case in this particular uh, quarter. Uh, we have server up. And so, you know, again, these are just um, a few uh, puts and takes, but, you know, we do see the sequential increase um, into Q1, and then for the full year as, uh, you know, we see the mix of business. Got it. I guess for my follow-up, just to, to push on that a little bit. So what are you seeing on the pricing environment, especially in servers. I mean, your, your competitor has actually talked quite actively about um, a more competitive environment for servers. We're actually starting to see some impacts on their ASPs and their margins. Um, what are you seeing, I guess, what did you see in terms of server pricing specifically, um, those kinds of trends in the quarter, and what are you incorporating uh, in your guidance uh, for price, the pricing environment in data center um, in 2021? Yeah, so um, in the quarter, we saw ASPs um, in the server business um, actually up uh, sequentially, and that was um, you know, mostly because of mix, just mix between customers and um, the ramp of Milan. So, um, you know, as we go into 2021, again, you know, um, I would say the environment's competitive, so I don't know that it's gotten more competitive. I think it's about as competitive as it's always been. Uh, you know, our uh, focus has not been to compete on price, uh, but to compete on you know, overall value and total cost of ownership, you know, as we go into uh, 2021, again, I think, you know, for us, ASPs are primarily determined by the mix uh, between cloud and enterprise in any given quarter. Uh, we're still, um, you know, cloud-weighted, and I would expect us to be cloud-weighted as we go into 2021. But, you know, overall, I would say the ASP environment 
um, is um, you know about what it's you know been for the last. Got it. And, and just just one last thing with this: just High Teams data center that's in the quarter, or that was for the that was for the for the for Q4 was High Teams percent of revenue data center. It was High Teams um, for the year. Oh, basically. for the year. Okay, what was it in the quarter? Um, it was given given the strength. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Devinder. Yeah. What was that, Devinder? I'm sorry. It's similar. 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 Well, yeah, similar you, you got to remember the the data center the data center GPU is is a little bit lumpy, and the server business is where you know we've had strength in 2020 compared to 2019. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question today is coming from Toshio Hari from Goldman Sachs. Your line is now live. Thank you for taking the question, and uh, congrats on the strong results. Uh, Lisa, I'm sorry if I missed this, but can you speak to um, your expectations for the PC market this year? Obviously, there, there's a bit of, con of concern uh, following the very strong year in, in 2020. Uh, what's sort of embedded in your full-year guidance uh, for the PC market? And then as sort of a second part uh, to that question, uh, if you can give us an update on your traction on the commercial side of the market as opposed to the consumer, uh, that would be helpful. Yeah, sure. Um, thanks for the question. So um, 2020 was a very strong year for the PC market. Um, I think you've heard that from um, a number of the uh, OEMs um, in, the, um, uh, in the market. Um, 2021, uh, most people are saying, let's call it uh, mid-single digits type growth. Um, we see something similar to that. Um, this shape is perhaps a bit different than normal in the sense that the first half is a bit stronger. Um, than it would normally be. You know, our focus um, in the PC market, though, is um, has been very clear on you know sort of the sub-segments where we could actually move up the stack. So if you um, you know look at our focus on you know gaming, particularly you know gaming notebooks and desktops, um, you know premium um, consumer as well as commercial, and we made very nice progress on the commercial side. And you know I think that um, you know that business tends to also develop. Um, over a number of quarters. So, you know, overall, I think our expectations are, you know, the PC market will continue to be strong um, uh, as uh, we go into 2021. Um, that being the case, it's, you know, one element of our growth and, and particularly, um, you know, we're focused on, you know, growth in commercial, growth in gaming, um, as well as, you know, sort of in the premium, um, you know, consumer segments. And um, uh, you know the Ryzen 5000 series that we just launched in both mobile and desktop have um, have actually uh, you know gotten very uh, strong reception um, from the OEMs in terms of overall platforms. Got it. And then as a quick follow-up on OpEx, um, you know the, the the rate at which you're spending is is very consistent with your long-term target. Um, but that said, I mean you you are growing, spending at a very fast clip. Um, can you remind us, you know, where the focus is today in terms of in terms of your spending profile, and how do you see that translating into future growth? You know, over the next couple of years, um, you have this 20% top line growth target out um, through 2023. Uh, you just grew 45% last year. You're guiding this year to up 37%. Is 20% still the right number? Or could we um, could we envision something uh, something better? Thank you. Yeah, sure. So. Um... So I don't think we're going to change our long-term uh, growth rate just yet. We set that in March, and I think it's the right uh, long-term growth rate. You know, that being said, we're we're very happy with the growth of the business. And you know, from from our standpoint, um, this is a great time to invest in the business. So you know, the model has always been 
uh, let's um, invest in the business, let's call it at a rate slower than, um, than revenue growth so that we get um, you know, leverage in the model. And so we're doing that. Um, you, know, you can see the, uh, the, the, the percentage of OPEX as a percent of revenue has come down over the, couple, the last couple of years and will we'll come down as well in um, 2021. But the overall dollars um, have allowed us to expand uh, considerably and uh, really just build out you know, the uh, foundation of the company. So uh, you know, our investments are really you know, across R&D, um, you know, expanding our product portfolio. Um, you, know, you know we've leaned in. Um, hard on um, you know, both the, the CPU foundational IP, the GPU foundational IP, as well as on the GPU side, we have um, split out the architectures between gaming and compute um, so that uh, you know, we have very competitive offerings in both spaces. Um, as we go forward, uh, you know, more investment on you know, some of the system IPs that uh, link um, uh, link the CPUs and GPUs, as well as um, you know investments um, on the software side, and uh, then investments in go-to-market. So across the board, I think we're becoming, um, you know, let's call it a, a company of scale, and um, that uh, you know that helps ensure that you know we have um, you know sort of the, the breadth and depth of roadmap, um, as well as customer support um, to uh, support the long-term growth objectives. Thanks so much. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question today is coming from Aaron Rakers from Wells Fargo. Your line is now live. Yes, uh, thanks for taking the question, and, and congratulations on the quarter as well. Um, I, I want to go back to the, the Milan processor commentary. I, you know, I think at the analyst day you talked about just continually expanding your ability to address workloads in the enterprise market. As we think about the positioning of Milan, how would you compare that relative to Rome, and, and how should we possibly think about the – is there a potential ASP uplift that one should consider with Milan as it starts to ramp? Yeah, so um, uh, de definitely. So, you know, we do see sort of ex the expansion of, you know, let's call it our competitiveness, um, you know, across the um, enterprise set of workloads as well as, you know, the broad set of cloud workloads. You know, our goal in life is to make sure that we're offering um, improvements in total cost of ownership um, to our customers. Um, so, you know, as the performance goes up, you know, we do um, expect, uh, you know, some ASP um, lift as well. But overall, from a customer standpoint, um, you know, it's so important that the, uh, the TCO, um, you know, really um, improve generation to generation, um, particularly with Milan. Uh, some of the single-threaded performance um, is uh, very, very helpful, and uh, you know we expect on some of the enterprise workloads that uh, perhaps um, can't use um, all of the cores um, for um, that uh, that we have will will be able to benefit significantly from Milan, just given the uplift um, in overall performance. So uh, you know we're excited to tell you more about it. Um, you know, like I said, we'll be launching that um, you know later this quarter, but uh, you know overall um, you know, we feel you know very good about um, the positioning of Milan. And then as a quick follow-up on, on the data center side as well, on the GPU side, you know, I know it's been lumpy and it, it looks like it might continue to be a lumpy business, but is there a point in time over the next couple of years that, that you foresee that actually being a, a consistent incremental revenue growth driver? What, what should we be thinking about to, to kind of get us to see that as, as a key, you know, additional growth driver for the company? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think the data center GPU um, business is um, definitely coming in into its own, and um, you know it it uh, will still likely be lumpy quarter to quarter, just because um, you know the number of customers is uh, not that large. But in terms of you know as a growth driver for the company, 
you know, we see 2021 as a growth year um, for data center GPU, um, especially as the CDNA architecture comes into manufacturing and production and goes into some of the larger HPC installments, um, as well as um, some work that we're doing in the cloud around machine learning and AI. And more importantly, you know, we see it as a multi-year growth driver over the next couple of years. So, um, you know, we feel very good about the CDNA architecture, its um, positioning. Um, I think this is a, a important year uh, for the data center GPU business, and um, you know, it'll be a uh, important growth driver for us over the next few years. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question is coming from Ross Seymour from Deutsche Bank. Your line is now live. Hi, congratulations on the really strong quarter and year. Lisa, just had a question competitively on the GPU side of things, more so on, on the traditional client side of the equation. You've done a great job taking a ton of share in the CPU side. Sounds like you're optimistic about what the client GPU business is going to do in 2021. Can you just walk us through some of the differences, some of the opportunities and or challenges of taking share in the GPU market versus where you've already succeeded so much and, and will continue to on the CPU side of things? Uh, sure, Ross. So, um, you know, the graphics business, uh, I think, uh, has, uh, has really – um, you know, been focused on ensuring consistency and roadmap, you know, very similar to, um, you know, the CPU side. So, you know, we launched the first generation RDNA architecture that had um, a 50% performance per watt improvement. Um, we launched the second generation of RDNA2, um, uh, you know, just a few months ago, and then we're going to fill out that portfolio here um, in the first half of the year. And I think that, you know, consistency is important um, in the roadmap. Um, you know, there is a lot of pent-up demand for uh, graphics cards and um, and gaming, and uh, you know we see that, and you know we see it as an attractive market. So um, I do see that um, you know the consumer graphics uh, business uh, will grow in um, 2021. Um, you know we expect uh, to continue to make progress both uh, with um, the OEM business as well as the add-in board business. And you know over the coming years, you know there's um, you know uh, the the team is working very hard on the next generation RDNA3 architecture as well. So I, I think the consistency in the roadmap, um, a top to bottom stack, um, and uh, you know, really uh, using you know, sort of the, um, the depth and breadth of our customer relationships um, is, uh, is sort of our strategy there. Thanks for that color. And I guess this is my follow-up one for either you or Devinder. On the gross margin, uh, you gave the shorter-term answer for the fourth quarter and the first quarter, but I wanted to ask one about 2021 as a whole. It's good to see that it's rising again up to that 47% target. I just wanted to walk through the puts and takes on that, and I guess the, the core question is if the semi-custom business is going to grow substantially as a percentage of your revenues, what's offsetting that? to have the gross margin rise year over year? Is it uh, mixed between segments? So server, for example, is going to keep up with that? Or is there something within the segments that is also improving, whether it be in semi-custom or graphics or, or some area like that? Yeah, maybe so let, let me, me start, start and at least go ahead. Go ahead, Lisa. Go ahead, Devinder, you start. <laughs> so, you know, if you look at the businesses, we've been uh, pretty consistent. You know, server and client up in uh, 2021, obviously you have the gross margin, and you are right. A semi-custom in 2020 is the initial ramp, you know, a couple of quarters, and then it grows in 2021. And with the guidance that we gave, we are talking about going from, you know, 45% to 47% uh, as overall for the year on a year-on-year -year basis. And semi-custom, obviously, lower than corporate average with higher revenue uh, full year in 2021 uh, does have an offset there from client and server. 
Right. So maybe just to add to that, Ross. So the um, I think the the answer that uh, you know to, to what you asked is um, yes. You know, consoles are um, let's call it below corporate average margin, um, although um, you know quite uh, quite reasonable operating margins. Um, server is above, and server is growing substantially um, in um, in 2021. And also the PC business. You know, within the PC business, um, you know, we do see some. Uh, mix improvement as uh, you know we focus on let's call it the more premium uh, part of the stack and um, you know those are some of the drivers for the margin in, in 2021. Great, thank you. Thank you. Our next question today is coming from John Pitzer from Credit Suisse. Your line is now live. Yeah, good afternoon, guys. Thanks for letting me ask the question. Lisa, maybe I can ask Ross's gross margin question a little bit differently. I, I would kind of argue Given the, 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 the mix in the December quarter and the fact that it was the first quarter of the console ramp, that the gross margins you were able to put up were, were, were quite good. And I'm kind of just trying to understand how we should think about gross margins X console. And as we think about 21 unfold, you know, typically in the console business, gross margins start relatively low, but there is good improvement over time. And so what's kind of the exit rate of gross margins in your 47 full year guide? And I guess, you know, why isn't it higher? It might just be that you guys are being conservative, but it seems like you got a lot of tailwinds as the year unfolds. Yeah, so um, again, uh, maybe Devinder, I'll start and see if you'd like to add to this. Uh, John, you know, I think it's early in the year, so um, let me state that. Uh, you know, we have good visibility into, um, you know, sort of the puts and takes in the various places, but, you know, obviously there's a lot to unfold over the next um, 11 months. Um, I do think all the statements that you made are, are accurate. So, uh, you know, the, the console business, um, you know, does have um, a history of improving um, over, uh, over time. Um, I do think, though, that, um, you know, we'll just have to look at the mix of all the businesses, um, you know, again, as it, uh, as it plays out. And from an exit velocity standpoint, you know, uh, you know we're guiding to 46 um, uh, for Q1 and then 47 for the overall year. So, you know, we will see improvements um, over the year. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the key is what is the mix amongst the businesses in, in any given quarter. That's helpful. Then, Lisa, as my follow-up, it's pretty clear that semiconductors are becoming much more strategic to, to nation states and, and world governments, and there's a lot of speculation that your chief competitor is, is lobbying Washington pretty hard to get some incentives for domestic manufacturing. I'm just kind of curious how you're trying to be part of that conversation, because clearly, given the IP portfolio you have, given the share that you're taking, I would argue you're as much a national champion as anyone in semis, but it does seem like the focus is on manufacturing. So, so how do you kind of get the ear of Washington to make them understand uh, how important you are in this whole mix? Well, I, I think the overarching point um, that you make, John, is the right one, which is um, semiconductors are becoming increasingly important and increasingly strategic. And, you know, I think we all believe that. Um, you know, as it relates to, you know, what's important, um, you know, I think the, the focus on manufacturing is, um, is certainly, uh, you know, well uh, documented. I think there's also a focus on, you know, leading edge research and making sure that, um, you know, the leading edge research um, is also a very well supported 
um, in uh, you know in the overall conversation. So you know we we can we participate in uh, you know many of the industry associations and the conversations, and you know the key is um, to continue to invest at both the leading edge in, in both research and manufacturing. Um, to uh, you know, sort of push the envelope on you know, sort of the next you know five to ten years, and uh, you know, that's one of the reasons we're investing as uh, as much as we are, and then you know we continue to uh, also agree that you know it's important as an industry that uh, you know we continue to invest. So, Lisa, do you think you'll be a direct beneficiary of any incentives that come out of Washington, or will it be more indirect through your foundry partners? Well, I, I think much of that is still uh, playing out, so I think we'll we'll see how that um, plays out. But in, in terms of uh, the um, the manufacturing side, it would be through our foundry partners. Um, in terms of you know the research side, as um, some of that plays out, uh, we've certainly been uh, very involved in you know some of the um, the, uh, the the research, and uh, you know we'll continue to do so. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question today is coming from Mitch Steves from RBC Capital Markets. Your line is now live. Hi, Mitch. Are you hey, there? Can you hear me okay? Perhaps yep. your phone is on. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so two questions. Um, the first one is actually on the manufacturing side. I feel like people are poking a bit on the gross margin. But when you look at it, the company, you guys are having three products ramp up. So the question I kind of want to pose here is, what would the gross margins look like if you didn't, if you had yields similar to what you had about two years ago? Meaning that are the yields for TSMC and your, I guess your overall foundry partners improving at the same rate as a normal environment? And then I have a follow up after that. Yeah, well, um, Mitch, maybe let me start by level setting, um, you know, the conversation with gross margins. I mean, we're, we're right where um, our roadmap says we would be, right? Our, our long-term roadmap uh, says, you know, given the, the mix of the business, um, you know, we set out um, a target to be, you know, greater than 50%. Um, I think we're, you know, right on track for that. Um, I think as we, you know, go through each of the product ramps, you know, there are um, the ebbs and flows. But that being the case, I think that the yields are, you know, right on track um, with uh, where uh, we expect them to be as well. And, you know, the most important thing is, you know, we're now seeing growth across, you know, let's call it, um, uh, you know, four, you know, say four or five large businesses. And so, you know, again, there are some ebbs and flows between them and, you know, sort of the mix between cloud and enterprise, the mix between consumer and commercial, and then, um, you know, just the uh, mix between, um, you know, consumer and data center graphics. So, you know, put all that together and, um, you know, like I said, I think we're, we're pleased that, you know, we grew margins um, uh, two points um, last year and, and we're, um, again, uh, guiding to, you know, growing margins, you know, two points uh, this coming year and, and it's right on, in line with our overall roadmap. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense to me. I think it's very difficult to grow the gross margin line with so many uh, yields ramping up right now. The second one I just had is, is in terms of the overall addressable market, I realize you guys don't guide by segment, but I think that one of the big things that happened last year is PC surprised massively upside. So maybe you could level set us in terms of the three major markets you guys serve, GPUs, CPU, PC side, and servers. Just what do you think the total industry is going to do? Um, this way maybe you can give us at least an idea of what you guys view as a full year, and then we can kind of come to our conclusions, our own conclusions, sorry, <coughs> on uh, what, what that means for, for AMD. Yeah, so, I, you know, I think my, my commentary was, you know, PCs, if you, you know, just look at what the, you know, various sources are saying, we would say, 
sort of mid-single-digit growth, and I think we would agree with that. You know, I think, you know, server as a market, if you take a look at enterprise and cloud, again, you know, again, they, they have different growth rates, but, you know, let's call it, um, you know, modest growth. And um, and then, you know, gaming is hard to call because, again, it's, it's, a, it's a different cycle. Um, within that, you know, sort of market backdrop, I think, you know, we, we see – um, you know, let's call it, you know, 37% growth. Um, and much of that is because of the product ramps and the product portfolio, um, you know, that we have. So, you know, we're pleased with the growth. We think we're growing significantly ahead of the market. Um, you know, that being the case, uh, you know, we'll have to see what, what happens in 2021 because, as you said, the 2020 market was stronger than, you know, most projected at the beginning of 2020. Operator, said, we'll take two, two more questions, please. Certainly, our next question is coming from Mark Lapazes from Jeffries. Your line is now live. Hello, Mark. Perhaps your phone is on mute. Please pick up your handset. Mark, if you could hear me, I cannot hear you. Operator, we can move on. Thank you. We will. Our next question is coming from uh, Joe Moore from Morgan Stanley. Your line is now live. Great, thank you. Um, I wonder if you could talk about your cloud business for server and maybe give us a sense. You've talked about in the past about the need to, to sell twice. You're sort of selling to the cloud service provider and then they're selling it to the enterprises that they service. You know, how are you doing with that and, and, and where are you with sort of internal cloud workloads that, are, that they're internally focused on versus enterprise-facing workloads within cloud? Yeah, um, thanks for the question, Joe. Uh, yes, so if you look at the cloud environment, um, you know, we call it, you know, both internal as well as, um, you know, sort of the external facing uh, workloads. Um, I would say we've done very well with um, internal workloads um, in the last couple of quarters, Joe. Uh, we've seen, you know, a number of applications, uh, you know, just uh, ramp, um, you know, here um, in, the, uh, in the second half of this year and going into next year. So uh, we're pleased uh, with the uh, performance on um, the internal workloads. Uh, we see that uh, carrying over to Milan um, and, uh, you know, sort of the, the um, let's call it the move from Rome to Milan is, is, is not too heavy a lift. And so uh, we expect um, that that will continue um, going into uh, 2021. Um, and in terms of the external facing workloads, uh, we've spent, um, you know, quite a bit of effort um, sort of building our, let's call it, you know, sort of the business development engine that, um, you know, sort of, you know, let's call it, you know, sells along with, um, you know, the cloud vendors, um, as well as, frankly, enterprise OEMs. And so, you know, our conversation with large enterprises is, is usually a hybrid conversation. It's, you know, if you want to buy on-prem, you know, let me tell you what, you know, AMD Epic can do. Um, if you want to use cloud instances, um, you know, we have a wide variety of cloud instances across all of the largest, um, you know, cloud vendors. And, uh, and that's actually uh, progressed very nicely. So, um, I think overall, that, you know, that's leading to, um, you know, some of our, you know, positive commentary in cloud is that we have seen both progress on internal um, as well as, you know, the external, you know, sell with uh, motion. Great. Thank you. And then I wonder, um, in terms of data center GPU, you've talked about some of the emerging applications, um, but cloud gaming has been um, an investment that some of your customers have made. It, what's the status of that, and how big a portion of your data center GPU business do you expect to be driven by cloud gaming uh, in 2021? Sure. So um, I think uh, the cloud gaming um, 
portion of the business was a larger portion of the business in you know sort of past years for the data center GPU. Um, in 2021, we, we do have um, additional cloud um, gaming engagements that will ramp, um, but I would say it would be the smaller portion of the business and HPC would become, you know, let's call it the larger portion of the business in uh, 2021. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Our final question today is coming from Timothy Arcuri from UBS. Your line is now live. Hi. Thanks. Thanks for uh, fitting me in here. So. I guess my first question, Lisa, based on your commentary on you know, data center revenues and your splits, and you answered a question before about ASPs and um, Q4, it sounds like server CPU shares running like 12.5% on your you know, $20 million TAM base that you use. So you have Milan ramping and you're talking about you know, a lot of visibility on that ramp this year. So I'm sort of wondering if maybe you can give us um, what your guidance implies or sort of what the next milepost to think of would be in terms of you know server CPU share as you sort of exit the year and maybe look into next year. Yeah. So um, Tim, thanks for the question. Um, you know what, what I would say is uh, I don't have a new market share target, and you know I think just given um, all of the uh, the variance in the market. But what I will say is you know we've given you um, you know a good view of um, the business through you know sort of the percent. Um, of revenue it is, and um, as I said in the prepared remarks, you know, the, the, the uh, data center business uh, was um, high teens percentage of annual revenue, and it was, um, you know, predominantly, um, uh, predominantly server. So, you know, the data center GPU was a very small piece of that, and it was predominantly server. Um, as we go into 2021, you know, again, we see significant growth. I would say it's one of the um, the key growth drivers for the company, uh, and you know, we'll give you updates as we go along the way in uh, in 2021 in in terms of how how it's growing as a, as a relative you know size of of the business. Okay, got it. And then just quickly on um, data center GPU, um, it looks like it was maybe flattish this year, year over year, um, and obviously it's going to grow this year as you know frontier frontier comes in mid year. Can you just sort of maybe give us some sense in terms of how much you think it could grow? I mean, could it, you know, double year over year? I understand it's not, you know, big from a dollar point of view, but, you know, could it double year over year? Maybe just talk about how big Frontier could be as a contributor to that business. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, as I you know, previously stated, the data center GPU business is still relatively small uh, for us. Um, it was actually down year over year. So from you know, 2019 to 2020, it was actually down year over year uh, because you know, some of the cloud gaming ramps in 2019 uh, paused in 2020. Um, in terms of what it could do in 2021, you know, we see it as a um, you know, growth driver uh, you know, in terms of relative um, you know, size, yes, it could double. I think that the way to think about it, though, is, um, you know, we said that, uh, you know, we would like to get that business to, you know, let's call it, you know, a half a billion dollars um, as, you know, sort of the first milestone. And I, I think we're, you know, making good progress, you know, towards that milestone. But, um, you know, that, that's what I would say about it. Thanks, Alisa. Thank Great. you. Um, operator, that concludes our call. Thank you. Thank you. That does conclude today's teleconference. We disconnect your line at this time and have a wonderful day. We thank you for your participation today. <laughs>